You're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations. All while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. This is Fearless Business, and this is Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Fearless Business Podcast. It's me, your host, Robin Waite, and uh, I'm super excited to uh, be able to introduce you to our amazing guest today. It is uh, Joe Dodds. Joe Dodds is uh, also a fellow coach, but she works with coaching consultants um, in the days of overwhelm, so whether that be physical, mental, or digital, to improve or help you improve productivity, organization, well-being, energy, and resilience, and I'm really looking forward to digging into things. So, hi, Joe. Welcome to the party. Hi, Robin. Thanks for uh, inviting me. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. So, Joe, we're going to dig straight into this. Explain to us about um, your power process, because I'm really intrigued to know a little bit more about, about this and how impactful it is for your clients. So, the uh, Power to Live More uh, name that you described, the power bit, the Productivity, Organisation, Wellbeing, Energy and Resilience, the uh, process behind that is uh, my five fundamentals and they are uh, simplify, uh, systemize, share, self-care and um, sustain. So all S's, <laughs> I like, my, like my little patterns. You've got to have the alliterations in there, it's so important. <laughs> Exactly. Um, but, but what the sort of overview of that is, is that uh, in order to uh, get to live more, and I say that that's about getting to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the things that you feel you should do or you have to do, then it's about firstly being clear about what that is you want to do and uh, what that looks like for you in your business and your life and simplifying basically by being really clear about what that is and doing uh, the things that you need to do and dropping the things that you don't need to do. Uh, then systemizing, so doing as much as you can to create systems and processes and automation so that uh, you spend less time doing the things that you uh, need to get done in order to as I say run your business or your life uh, share is about outsourcing and that may be in the sort of formal business outsourcing sense or it could just be as simple as getting somebody to help you at home so that you don't have to spend so much time uh, doing home things as well as trying to run the business uh, self-care I think that's quite sort of obvious and that's around sleep uh, what you eat the, the movement the exercise bit of it and also that whole sort of mindfulness um, uh, being you know in the moment and all that sort of stuff too and then the sustain is the piece around how do you create uh, routines and uh, checklists and and sort of ongoing rituals in order to sustain that because it's really easy to put this stuff in place and it's like you know you, you can tidy your office and then um, it gets all messy again it's like how do you keep it going as you uh, live your life and run your business rather than just sort of doing one one thing to sort of clear the decks if you like and then find that you have to do that again in another six months or, or however long from there. So those are the five fundamentals in order to use your power to live more. Cool. So I, I, th I get the impression that there's a bit of a backstory in terms of how you came up with the five S's. Um, so let, let's dig into that a little bit, if that's okay. Because um, is this something which you implemented for yourself first and then started teaching, sort of coaching other people? Yes, absolutely. So I started a business... Uh, 
14 years ago uh, now, uh, I was in corporate and I wanted to have a, a baby basically and decided to uh, find a way to start a business that I could run from home in order to do that. So I started a publishing business in the first place. I was in HR, so it had nothing to do with my previous experience really. Uh, and at one stage I had eight local magazines, uh, which now I was talking to somebody the other day and I was, I was saying, I can't even imagine how I managed to publish eight magazines all in one go with the same print deadline. Um, but I did somehow. Um, but it, what it meant was that I spent you know, a lot of time working and missing family occasions. And I got to spend lots of time with my daughter because I did then get pregnant and have a baby. Um, but uh, I got to spend a lot of time with her as a baby. But then as she got older and things, you know, were happening, people were I don't know, family came, came down, people would go off and have a nice weekend. I wouldn't be there because I'd be working. And then uh, I moved into helping my customers with their online marketing. So I started helping businesses to set up WordPress websites. I started specializing in social media. And then in 2011, that was it, um, I had a seizure in the middle of the night. I got up one day, like one night, um, with this funny sort of noise in my ear, I didn't know what it was, went downstairs to Google it like you do, <laughs> and then um, collapsed on the uh, stairs on the way back up to the bedroom and then collapsed when I got back into the bedroom again. Um, and then came round to hear my husband shouting, Joe, will you wake up? Which obviously I wasn't, you know, <laughs> wasn't asleep. Uh, and uh, that was a bit scary, didn't really know what it was. They investigated it, thought it might be epilepsy. And I said, well, you know, rather than being treated for epilepsy, can't we just wait and see if it happens again? Because if, we, if I get treated and it never happens again, how will we ever know if it was that or not? But I did my own research and I found out there's five reasons for um, seizures and epilepsy is only one of them. The other four are around uh, lack of sleep, uh, what you're eating, stress, and um, I can't remember what the other one was. Oh, too much drinking. And at that time, I was particularly stressed. I had been drinking. I wasn't eating very well. I wasn't sleeping very well. And I was sure that that was probably what the issue was. And I've never had one since. So I'm pretty certain that is what, what was going on. Um, and then the following year, my mum got... Um, well not got diagnosed my mum died basically within five days of us finding out she had lung cancer and then her partner died six months after that and at the same time my now late father-in-law was diagnosed with cancer so I had all this stuff happening over those couple of years which made me realize that actually working really hard for something in the future whilst that's you know important and something to do you've got to be enjoying the bit now as well and doing the things that you want to do now because you don't know whether there'll be a future or how long you've got in the future you know as evidenced by what was happening within the family at the time so then I went on a journey as you say for myself to work out how I could stru structure my business so that I could get to do more of the things that I wanted to do whether that be the tasks and activities that I want to do within my business or whether that's things like reading singing I sing in loads of choirs now um, you know doing other things as well as running a successful business so I changed what I did in terms of I work in corporate with um, people around employee engagement but I also now work as you know with coaches and consultants around their own productivity and well-being um, so it took quite a long time after that to really get clear about what I was going to do and offer um, because I was, you know, spending that time working on myself. Um, but now it's, you know, really clear. 
<laughs> well, and that probably you had to go through that process, and it sounds like quite a traumatic process in order to like really deeply understand the struggles which, you know, entrepreneurs seemingly kind of put themselves through. Because, and I'm also interested because a lot, you know, not all of us. Um, have seizures, you know, as warning no. signs that things are going wrong. So no. what are the other warning signs? You know, you mentioned, I think you mentioned a couple there, but what are the other warning signs that as entrepreneurs you start to see when maybe they need your help and things are starting to get a little bit too much? Well, I think overwhelm's a massive one currently, particularly around email uh, management, because, you know, we get tons of emails and people often don't know how to, to deal with them and, and you know, a- allow that sort of um, pressure to take over and really sort of um, get in the way of other things. Um, people, are, I think, are lots of people having issues around sleep. It's a big sort of topic currently. Um, stress has obviously been discussed, mental health. You know, there's lo- lots of um, sort of very topical discussions, you know, we can easily fall foul of as entrepreneurs and uh, business owners because generally we start off with it just being us you know there's just one person to do everything and that's what we think we need to do and we also I think sometimes um, we translate society and what we've done in the past into what we do now so when I first started uh, in my business I thought nine to five was like the structure that I needed to work and obviously I worked longer hours than that but that was when I I would expect that I would be working even if I didn't have you know very much to do whereas now I don't really start working till much later in the day because I'm really a, a night bird I like to stay up late and get up late and so I'm not that good in the mornings and I've chosen to restructure my my you know way of working so that that fits for me and I think a lot of people as I say just set up businesses that sort of replicate their experiences either in corporate or just because everyone else does it or there's this whole thing isn't there at the moment about um, miracle morning or you know get up by four o'clock in the morning and by six o'clock you've done all your work you know so I'm I'm not even up by eight (laughs) o'clock Yeah, but see, I'm the same. You see, I, I like to, it's not about having a lion necessarily. It's just working around your body's kind of natural energy. And, yeah. you know, I've, I've, um, I work very hard during the week, but I get to the weekends and my, my wife could set like the girl's tea time clock by us at the week, by me at the weekend, because at four o'clock, I just want to go and have a quick nap. Mm. it's just my body's way of that and and it's never at three she's like can't you do it earlier I'm like no it, it happens at four <laughs> o'clock on a Saturday and Sunday I just want to go and have a nap now I don't always obviously have a nap but but I think sometimes you've got to listen to your body mm. and work around like your body's energy sort of what it's what it's the feedback it's giving you yeah um but I think there's a you mentioned about kind of um how how you kind of um the story that you have to live your life by and this whole nine to five thing well actually as a common train of thought that we 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 live our the rules that we've set ourselves actually come from sort of not just one generation ago but two or three generations ago Mm. and you think even one generation ago the internet didn't exist Mm -hmm. so how much of an impact do you think that has on kind of the the modern you know coach or consultant Oh, I think it's it's massive. I mean, obviously, there's lots of positives to it as well. Uh, but, you know, it's always on, which, again, can be positive, but uh, also, you know, gives us um, lots of opportunity for potential stress if we don't uh, learn ourselves how to switch off from it. You know, just because it's there doesn't mean we need to, to be there using it sort of thing. Um, and But even things, you know, like um, I was talking to somebody the other day about doing an interview and they were in Australia and they were saying oh you know your your times are only two till five on a 
no, two to five in the morning or something because of the way that it translated on my podcast into um, into their time um, zone. And, you know, I will give them obviously a time that suits them better than two o'clock in the morning. But uh, I know that I once did a podcast at 6.30 in the morning and you can actually tell. <laughs> if you go back and listen to it, you can yeah. tell that I wasn't yet awake. So, you know, we, we have sort of a 24-7 world and we are more connected to that world, which is a really positive thing, but also puts us in a position where the boundaries, you know, are only there if we create them. Rather than well, that's it. I mean, that's exactly why I booked you in before my 4, 4 p.m. nap, Joe. So just to avoid that, you know, <laughs> me just kind of, you know, slowly nodding off. But uh... <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm, I'm honoured that you thought ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like thinking about that kind of feeling of overwhelm, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I, it's something which I felt in the past several times, you know, and, and something which I kind of understand. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, but I've also kind of had depression and suffered mental health problems myself in the past. And um, it does make running a business very challenging and actually it's in part the reason why I set up a coaching practice was to give me a a business which kind of would flex around me as opposed to me having to flex around my business you know ran a marketing agency for 12 years and it was full gas all all the time managing staff managing customers Mm -hmm. um and it and it's different now which you know I'm grateful for but so imagine somebody's out there and they're feeling overwhelmed what's one of the what are like the first sort of two or three things that they can maybe do if it's just like in the moment, it is just about things like you've said, like having a nap or just, you know, taking five, 10 minutes to yourself, perhaps thinking about going outside, you know, it's so important to get out into the, to the countryside and, and, uh, you know, have those moments if you like certain hobbies like reading or singing that's what I do if I'm really fed up I sing because I know how good it is for your body and for your um, sort of mind and I really enjoy it so that's what I do as my sort of quick pick me up if I'm feeling um, you know overwhelmed fed up whatever whatever Um, but it it, sort of more long term it is that bit about being really clear about the things that you uh, want to do and also need to do and the things that are just there because you've sort of allowed them to be or because you think you need to do them, but you don't really need to. Um, and, and getting really clear. And, you know, if you have those days, I don't know about you, I sometimes have days where, and today was a good example, actually. I, I was out of the business on Friday, um, just basically enjoyed myself at the weekend. <laughs> didn't do anything. Um, and I sort of got up this morning and thought, oh, my goodness, I've got like loads of emails that I haven't dealt with. I've got loads of activities, loads of stuff going on. Um, and it's just getting really clear in that moment is what what must be done now, this morning, and what doesn't have to be. And I could just forget about that. And there's been something bugging me as well this morning. And, and I just kept thinking to myself, right, the thing that I keep worrying about, I've got to do, because then once I've done it, I won't be worrying about it again. Yeah. Um, whereas eat, t- eat that frog. Yeah, exactly. Whereas there is a tendency quite often to worry about something, put it off because it feels too difficult, but then just keep worrying about it. So it's, you know, it's, I know once I've done it, it it won't be an issue anymore. So I just need to sort of get on and do it. Or if I'm going to choose not to do it, then, you know, understand that as well. And that that means you can't worry about it because you had a choice and you've, you know, made the choice now sort of thing. Um, I was was listening to a podcast the other day. It was um, by the guys who, uh, they have a business called Traffic and Funnels, but, um, uh, one of the guys is, is um, super keyed up on kind of the whole energy frameworks and things like that. And he was actually suggesting that um, it was a guy called Taylor Welsh. He was actually suggesting that 
you 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 look at your to-do list sort of not just before you go to bed but in that sort of downtime between like when you finish work and when you go to bed and and it was about compartmentalizing things so that you know if you look at your to-do list 8 30 and even if it's just making a plan for the next day Mm. that you don't go to bed sleeping on it that mm-hmm. it, it has its time and its place and it's allocated and it's going to happen on Tuesday or it's going to happen on Thursday. And and I quite like that concept, but I also, it, it triggered in me, I was like, well, that resonates with me. Do you th- and this is a bit of a curveball question, so prepare yourself, but <laughs> do you think there's a, do you think there's a different way that, um, and this is probably going to have a, a massive answer. So like we've got all day, it's fine. But do you think that there's um, quite a significant difference between the way that men compartmentalize their life and the way that women compartmentalize their life and how we manage the stress and strains of running a business. <laughs> well, as I'm only one Peel of those... back the can of worms. There we go. <laughs> as I'm only one of those two things, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't like to say, <laughs> and maybe you can give me your perspective, um, I do feel that um, stereotypically women um, end up sort of... Um, at a macro level, managing a lot, sort of all ongoing, if you like. So, you know, things like, um, I don't know, the, the, the washing, the shopping, the, the cooking, whatever. You know, my, my husband will do cooking, um, but only when I tell him and I tell him what he's cooking. <laughs> Um, you know, he'll get the washing in, but when I tell him to do it sort of thing, as opposed, or ask him, should I say, um, as opposed to, because that's part of his, you know, ongoing thinking about it, if you like. Um, but then I work from home and he has a corporate job so he's outside of the home as well so um i probably naturally would pick those sorts of things up as well and then obviously the business fits around that too um they they do say that men compartmentalize better than women don't they (laughs) and so i guess that's about switching off and switching on to, to different things more easily um i would go back to that um uh looking at something just before you go to bed thing and actually think that that's potentially going to cause more issues than it solves for some people and maybe i don't know if that's a male female thing um because some people will then worry rather than just thinking they've got it sussed for tomorrow it reminds them of all the things that they want to worry about and i was talking to my friend recently and said that if i wake up at four o'clock in the morning which is i sleep well so it's, it's not a common occurrence but if i do i can really worry myself into not going back to sleep again on things that I wouldn't dream of worrying about during the day, but it's something about that sort of like, I don't know, it's, I don't know what the witching hour is, but the equivalent of whatever that is, <laughs> you know, that time in the morning um, really seems to sort of exacerbate potential worries and issues as well. And I don't know if that's a female thing or a male thing. And, you know, as you say, um, main I, th- I think everybody kind of experiences and that's, uh, you know, will have experienced that at some point. And I think it's just, especially over the summer when you know the sun's coming up, your alarm's due to go off at six o'clock if you're an early, you know, an early riser and mm-hmm. it, the pressure starts to mount, doesn't it, as you kind of go into the day. So I think it's, per- if you've got a lot on your plate, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose from, from my perspective, how, you know, how I manage that, because I have an awful lot of things to do, you know, from running the podcast the business to clients to marketing so now mm. i've run various events and things like that there's a lot of stuff that i could worry about and for me it's about having you know yes you've got all of this stuff happening you use the word micro and macro you, having all this stuff happening at a micro level but in a macro level i have a, a vision for my business mm. so when i get when i get woken up more often not by my three-year-old at four o'clock in the morning 
and uh, she's screaming for mummy and you know I try and go in there and help out and she you know kicks off so I come back to bed but now you're fully awake um I go back to that vision which I've created for the business and for our our life at home and and what I want and don't get I think about the macro and don't get too bogged down in the micro and actually that I find quite kind of therapeutic so it's more it's more of a vision more of a goal and a dream than than you know the, the troubles and the worries but mm-hmm. my wife on the other hand is uh it sounds like we've got a very similar relationship actually she I, she gets me to do so much stuff but she has to tell me like you know well I, and i'm like write me a list if you want me to do all this stuff write me a list <laughs> it's it's the it's how i work um and yet she still doesn't write me a list i mean what's that all about how am i supposed to know <laughs> what to do I'm telling my husband to write a list he doesn't do that either <laughs> no no but he wants you to write the list that's what it, you asked me for my <laughs> no, opinion yeah. yeah there you go insight now <laughs> so write write him a list of the stuff he's got to do that week and it'll get honestly it may take it may take longer than you would do it but it will get done yeah i guarantee it i'm gonna take that one away (laughs) (laughs) well it's interesting again you're saying about the compartmentalizing particularly on worry and my daughter gave me a good example recently one of her friends was upset about a a, a result she got at school and um she was going on about it and my daughter just said to her right you've got an hour you can wallow in it. She's only 13. So when you can wallow in it um, and moan about it and after the hour's done, then you've got to move on. <laughs> so uh, she's, you know, she's a girl. She, she's obviously compartmentalizing. She's dividing <laughs> her day off into the bit that the person's allowed to moan in, the bit that they're not allowed to moan in. <laughs> Absolutely. I think there's also a certain element of like permission as well. So like she's clearly given herself permission that in that, in that moment she can have a moan and, and then we're going to switch it off. Yeah. And I always, I always say like, you know, cause there, there are, there are positive negative feelings and I know I've just contradicted myself with that statement, but, but anger is a feeling that we have to express but there is a certain way to express it, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, it's okay to give yourself permission to be angry about something for a few moments. And then, okay, right, it's out of the system. How are we going to move positively move forward with this? Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and, having, and I think when you take any of those kind of emotional states, like being able to manage it, and it strikes me that the five S's is, is, is it's, it's kind of like a management mm-hmm. process. Uh, There's quite a practical element to it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that um, it came about because I started with the power bit. So, you know, it was, we need to think about our productivity, about being organized, about our well-being, about our energy and about our resilience. And I realized actually that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough to work with people because there wasn't a process to it. There wasn't structure to it. And that's where the five S's came from. As you say, that it, it became something you can work through, you know, from top to bottom um, or drop in and out of the different areas depending on what's working and not working within your life at, at the time and the sustain wasn't there to begin with I had four s's and you know I like to have odd because that's good interior designers always tell you to go for odd numbers yeah, definitely <laughs> but yeah got, <laughs> but I've got four um and it came because I realized that actually as I said at the beginning it's all well and good getting everything streamlined everything organized and everything running smoothly but it won't continue to run smoothly if you haven't thought about ways of maintaining that and that's where the sustain bit came from yeah because at the end of the day like you know life life we're in this for the long haul aren't we same as business we're in this for the long haul Mm -hmm. and if if you know rather than kind of like I I find that a lot of my clients I run an accelerated program a lot of clients they want they get in there and they want immediate results like no no if you want to build a sustainable business just take your time now Mm -hmm. it's not like you see the guys on the tour de france you know day one going blasting out and you know um you know winning that race in a day it's like a 21 day race So, Mm -hmm. so you know 
being able to um, hold a high energy level and sustain it for a long period of time um, can be done, but it's about moderation, isn't it? I think it's also a big thing around mindset and being um, sort of clear, yeah, what that sort of end goal is and then working towards it. I, I worked with somebody recently, a friend of mine actually, who was feeling really overwhelmed, particularly with her email, uh, and she wanted some sort of help around that some strategies to deal with it and so on and I remember booking her to come over for for the day to to work through it and she she was like okay um I'll bring my laptop should I bring lunch and I was like no it's okay we'll go out for a coffee and have some lunch while we're out while we're out and then we'll sort of get going um with the practical stuff when we get back and she's like well wouldn't it be better if I bought lunch because then you know we'd be able to get get going quicker and I was like well no we get going as soon as you get here but we won't be needing to do stuff on your laptop until later in the day and we kept having this conversation and then when she turned up it really came clear that she's a real action taker and so she thought she was going to come in sit down with her laptop and be doing stuff and that would sort it and actually what I wanted to do was talk to her about what the issue was where she was having you know major overwhelm how she was dealing with things currently what her end goal was what she needed it to be like in instead and get all of that out on the table before we started to think about how she then did things differently because you know what works for me may not work for her and may not work for somebody else and may not work for the situation that she's in so it's really been clear about that sort of you know bigger picture but on an individual basis in order to do something about it but I think so many people like you sort of said you know just want to get on and do something and there's there is a process to it and and it isn't an overnight thing um and 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 you know it becomes more sustainable the more you think about it up front and spend that time making sort of small incremental changes rather than just sort of going right as of today I'm going to be different because you know that doesn't often sustain does it (laughs) well that's it and you don't learn anything through that process either you know um one of my one of my mentors great guy called Adam Brooks once said to me and it is one of the most profound statements he said during one of our catch-ups um he said you've got to slow down to speed up Robin he said if you don't do that he said you're a you're not going to learn anything and b you're just going to burn yourself out Mm -hmm. and like it doesn't matter which one of those two happens they're both pretty pretty bad things yeah you know you won't enjoy it so that process of stopping is Mm. is like absolutely vital and a practical example of that is even in stuff like um if you want to outsource some of the things that you do part of the reason some people don't do that is because it takes a lot of work up front to be able to outsource effectively and so it is you have to slow down to get the processes in place to get the instructions in place to work out how best to get somebody else to do that work before you can do that once they're doing it you know you've got all that extra time freed up and and you've got that sort of consistency that maybe you didn't have when it was you trying to fit it in with everything else but it is that thing you've got to take that time up front to get the benefit at the at the back end sort of thing and so it is very much about slowing down to speed up a lot of the clients you work with they um give us kind of a bit of a back a, 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 a sort of i know it's going to be averages but a profile of kind of the typical client you work with well it's home-based so um and it, uh, they're sort of people like me <laughs> so i'm a corporate uh consultant so i go into big organizations and do workshops and facilitation and that sort of stuff um in my other part of my business if you like um and it's people like that um that i work with and it's also people that work online um so work from home but work all around the world uh through you know the, these sorts of means using uh you know online meetings and, and that sort of thing um and you know people who are generally trying to 
do, as I said, all the things that they want to do, have a, a really nice life and actually get the benefit that they wanted from starting a business. But, you know, too often people start their business and then they, um, you know, just work ridiculous hours. They end up spending all the time working on their business. They get, don't get to do any of the things that they thought they were going to do. You know, I did a survey at the beginning of the year asking uh, what people liked about working from home and didn't um, like from about working from home. And, you know, a lot of the stuff you won't be surprised to hear was around feeling isolated and, and not having people that they can, you know, work with and, and all that sort of thing. Um, some of the issues around were around things like lack of focus, you know, not getting stuff done because you've got all this sort of time to, um, to, to get on and, and do, um, you know, these things. You, you just end up sort of... <laughs> just doing stuff and not really having a clear plan about what what that is and then and then you end up working all the time not having a successful business because you're trying to do too much and you're not being really clear about what you need to do and what's most important but then equally not having that home life as well because you haven't really thought through that either so so many people I think end up working from home with a, a coaching or consulting business with a, a sort of view of what it's going to be like and then it ends up being nothing like it and uh, but, but we're getting bombarded every day by all of this information and like there's so many gurus and experts out there and things like that and you know I, I try and differentiate myself from being in that sort of space a little bit but um by by trying to be um, down to earth and be able to connect with people mm. and under, be, be a bit more understanding. But we're bombarded by all this information. And I think, again, sometimes people are spending too much time almost building somebody else's dream and they don't take the time to think about what it is that they're building for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so true. And, you know, that's part of the reason why I am a consultant as well as supporting my clients with the power to live more um you know it's about me totally getting what those challenges are because I'm still doing that at the same time uh and um I mean I don't do very much I'm probably in with corporate clients a couple of times a month on average it's not it's not a big part of my uh of my time but it is I think really key in terms of um you know being the person that that I'm trying to help if you like um but as you say it is all about um or even more about sort of the whole guru thing and everything else because we've had you know however many years now of of all these online businesses and and it's interesting I I always used to sort of I'd I'd hear of people and I'd think everyone had heard of them too and then you realize that actually it's all it's little communities all, all the way around so if you told me who your key gurus are that you follow I've probably got different ones and you know but you imagine that everyone's heard of them because it's so famous but because they're so famous seemingly but obviously the online world gives us access to so many people that we do end up in our little bubbles of what we think is reality and our realities are all different aren't they it's funny that's it you know, I mean, you can see a couple of my men. So John Warrilow is one of my guys. And then Dan, Dan Priestley as well. I've got all of his books are lined up down yeah. there. So, and Gary Vaynerchuk's going to be somebody who everybody kind of knows about. But again, like that, they mean something to me. I totally understand kind of what you mean. Yeah. With the, the corporate side I, of things, I used I'm to interested. Watch, hang on. I used to watch Vaynerchuk when he was doing his wine library TV. Long Did you really? Long before he started teaching social media. Yeah. Oh, before he got famous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah before he got famous. I don't know how I came across him, but I used, just used to love him. Just, not because he was even because I was that interested in wine but just I just loved his style um, and where, I where does he get now. his energy from I, I mean that that guy if I could just take take a jam jar full of his energy and just every now and then just, just <laughs> have a little whiff of it and exactly. I, I just think it the guy is he's so um you know he's a, he's marmite to a lot of people totally mm-hmm. black and white but actually when you when you look at kind of he's 
deeply, deeply, deeply cares about people. And you see the videos of him where people stop him on the streets. And like, I know a couple of um, sort of mentors who I followed for a while and then they kind of just totally ignore their audience. Gary will stop and talk to them and actually like give them like a five minute coaching session. Yeah. And in, yeah. in that moment, when he connects to that person, you can see that it means so much. It's such a deep impact. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I've got a lot, lot of respect for that guy. He's, he's mm-hmm. doing an event actually soon, I think up in, um, up in, Birmingham possibly in a, in a month right. or two's time yeah but, um I was going to say the corporate side of things um is intriguing to me and I, I did a bit of um I did a bit of work for a, a big uh, eight-figure law firm um in the county where I'm from and um I was amazed at um the lack of uh, attention they paid to well-being bearing in mind this was only a couple of years ago so this is when when well-being was already popular it was it was it was no longer just a buzzword that everybody was throwing around it was like yeah. now we have laws and things like that to protect people and I, I remember doing a workshop where we were talking about people's goals and I, I did an exercise went around the table and I said can you can you tell us there's about a dozen of us in the room um uh, two partners and the rest were all kind of admin team and then fee earners. And they, what was interesting, first they split themselves, like the fee earners are on one side, admin on the other. It's like, hang on, this, yeah. why is that, why is that happened? But, <laughs> um, and then, but I went around, we did the goal setting exercise and, and they, they went around first and it was all about business. And then I said, cool, but business, let's tear that up, throw that away for park it for a moment. Yeah. What about your personal lives? Go around and let's do your, your goal. So four, four out of the 12 broke down in tears one one couldn't and I got them all to say them out loud to the team and 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 this was only one team out of about 15 teams in the business and then one one um poor woman couldn't couldn't even speak it she couldn't even like verbalize it because and and it transpired that nobody in that business had asked them about what their personal goals were Mm-hmm. and you know they, some had been there for 15 years you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. does the business care that little about its employees and this must be something which you see quite quite commonly mm. yeah well um we i specialize in employee engagement and it started uh because i had a background in hr and then i got the background in social media and t- technical sort of stuff so the the, the combination of the two in organizations now where they're starting to use technology and digital means to engage people and communicate collaborate and everything else that was the sort of natural thing because I've then started to focus on well-being with the power to live more business um, that feeds back into as you say the sort of corporate well-being side of things too so I do tend to take a sort of um, well-being productivity sort of slant when I'm thinking about engagement um, and a couple of things come to mind one of them is that yeah organizations quite quite often pay lip service to to it so they'll they'll get a, a free bowl of fruit every friday in the office and they think they've ticked off the the well-being agenda um which obviously is <laughs> not not the case um but for me the well-being is almost not that and you know i don't know step competitions and um I don't know, allowing people duvet days and all that sort of stuff. I mean, that, that stuff is really helpful and initiatives that support and show their commitment to wellbeing is great, are great. But it's, for me, it's about how people manage people and exactly what you've just said about if their managers have never spoken to them, don't know them personally. You know, one of the enablers we talk about in Engage for Success, which is the national movement around employee engagement, and I, I would do some work with them. Uh, one of the enablers is about having an engaging manager and the, th- the three things for being an engaging manager is regularly coaching uh treating people 
as individuals and being able to connect them with the uh, vision for the organization and you know that middle one about treating people individually is so key and you can only do that if you get to know people and you can only do that if you talk to people about their whole personality you know their whole life their whole um wholeness <laughs> not just about how they are you know at work and we talk a lot about that whole bring yourself to work uh, bring your whole self to work thing you know so that people can be who they want to be at work and you think you know sort of I don't know 20 30 40 years ago people would come in and leave their their sort of real personalities at the door if you think about all the um stuff around um uh you know the lgbt and all the other letters that come after that you know people would come in to work and nobody would ever know that their sexuality was different because it was yeah. completely not appropriate to say um and that's just you know quite an extreme example of it but you know people come in with i don't know interests as you say goals aspirations things and if you don't ask them then they're sort of fitting themselves into a box of what you say is what a workplace should be like and and how employees should be behaving and what they should want and everything else but it's never actually getting to the heart of you know what those people really do want and that's how you get them you know engaged and supportive of the people that they're working with that's it and then gradually eroding away their personalities in the process as well by not listening to them and it's shocking and I think what's interesting what resonated then was where you, where you were starting to break down about the the individual and the business's kind of um uh, core values their vision the goals and things like that um I think small. This is something which small business owners struggle with a little bit because there is. It's how the small business owner, the coach, the consultant, the entrepreneur, kind of. Um, they can be their own personality. Their business has its own personality, but there's also personality in how they show up in their own business. Mm. And sometimes that can be quite conflictory. You know, there's this whole um, you know big thing about imposter syndrome and you know not not being your true self. And even even like you know I wear t-shirts and jeans. Like that's what I'm most comfortable in. That's where you get the best results out of me not wearing a, a suit or a tie or anything like that not there's mm. anything wrong with it it's just not for me and yeah. um you know when I first started my coaching practice even I had my wife who was saying you know are you sure you should just be wearing a t-shirt to this big law firm I was like well why why should I be wearing something different like what mm. the, you know, this is how I promote myself mm. so I think you know I'm you know, I, I feel that being comfortable, like how I show up in my own business, is like you've got to be really comfortable with that in order to get the best results as well. Absolutely. And I think, you know, some of it, I think some of it comes with age, unfortunately. And I, I keep saying if we could teach our, our young people the stuff that we've learned as we've got older so that they don't have to learn it. <laughs> it would be really helpful but clearly that isn't how it works um and i think you know that that sort of growing into your self-confidence and getting to know yourself bit um you know as you get older it's easier um when i was a social media uh, uh consultant i used to um or coach or whatever i called myself um one of the best compliments i used to ha get is if i met people in real life and they'd say oh you're just like i imagined you'd be you know, you're, you're exactly as you like as you are online and you know that that to me was a great example of the fact that i i was bringing my whole self to to my business if you like um and i i, I think it's helped for me working with corporates because <laughs> I do feel like if you've only ever been in a corporate situation, you do grow up with quite a, a sort of one dimensional view of the business world. And I think once you go into being an entrepreneur, having your own business, you learn a lot of things you wouldn't have ordinarily have learned. And I think, again, once you've done that for a period of time and you can, um, uh, take on board what you've learned and, and understand that you've, that you've learned something to the point where you are, 
a bigger person, if you like, then it's much easier to to uh, have that confidence that, that you've talked about. But um, and I guess that's part of the journey for lots of people. They come out of corporate and they have to, you know, start changing in a really scary environment. Um, and, you know, I've been doing it 14 years. It's easier now than it was 14 uh, years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the first time I went to a, a networking event and actually called myself a publisher, having been call, calling myself an HR director for the last however long, was really scary because all of a sudden my identity had completely changed and I wasn't really sure that I was a proper publisher. <laughs> And uh, and now, like, you know, doesn't I don't, doesn't phase me at all when I say I'm a consultant or whatever because I've been doing it long enough that I feel like I am. Um, as you say, the imposter syndrome still <laughs> hits at times, but um, I think I think it's only natural. I mean, I I, I remember the days when I um, sort of switched off the. And we used to do branding, and um, I, I opened up the coaching practice, and then kind of just knocked together a logo, and then I was just like. I don't do design anymore. I'm not a designer anymore. I'm, just, I'm a business coach. How would a business coach behave? And I think sometimes you kind of have to step into those shoes, don't you? Yeah, that, that's it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just, just mm-hmm. step into the shoes and, and um, kind of like at the end of the day, it's, it's um, I find that it's about results. I was laughing when you were uh, or chuckling to myself when you were talking about kind of that rabbit in the headlights that um, people experience when they step out of co- consulting. So obviously I work with a lot of coaches and consultants who step mm-hmm. out of corporate into yeah. entrepreneurdom and all of yeah. a sudden it's like, wow, I can do, I can do that. I can really, I can do that. I can do, do it this way and I can wear that. And they're like, it's, it's like a completely different world use the term one dimension like being an entrepreneur i think is like 10d yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) but it's also interesting there's a a story i used to tell a lot i haven't really told it um for a while but um when i was doing the social media stuff i went to an event and there was a a lady there called nicola bird who is a quite well-known um coach um in, and has changed what she's doing loads and everything else um and I went up to her and I said oh Nicola I just thought I'd come and say hello I'm on your mailing list I'm really pleased to meet you because I had been on a mailing list for about three years or something like that and she turned around and went oh my god the famous Joe Dodd is on my mailing list and I can't ever say it so it sounds convincing it just sounds patronizing but it wasn't she genuinely meant it she said oh no I'm gonna have to really care for what I write now now I know you're reading it and I'm thinking do, 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 do. this is a bit weird I'm like here to sort of tell her how amazing I think she is and she's telling me she thinks I'm amazing how does she even know who I am um and of course I've been trying to get my name out there you know as a social media um person and everything else but I hadn't really realized how effective it had been but also in terms of her as I say having me on the, some sort of random pedestal I'm sure it wasn't quite that impressive but um which didn't seem right at all to me. And and then I told this story to people um, as a way of saying, you know, you think you've got imposter syndrome and all that sort of issue. Actually, there's people out there that really rate you and you just don't know it. Um, and then people started calling me the famous Joe Dodds because I told the story and then people would say they'd met me and all this sort of stuff. And it ended up with me having this like moniker of being the famous Joe Dodds. And clearly I'm not famous. <laughs> <laughs> um, all because of this one conversation with somebody who I didn't think knew who I was at all. I was just one of her subscribers and actually she'd been following me. Well, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier on about there being some, you know, there are some entrepreneurs who are just so blind focused on their own thing that they ignore like other people around them, even the people that are giving them money. And actually, if you're out there like with abundance, like being interested in, in people, like you're, you're going to get known. You're going to like, it's, it's all about being respectful to your peers, basically. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of, um, you know, at, no matter where you feel you are in that sort of that value chain that ladder like of importance you you 
offer value going up, you offer value coming down because yeah. um, it, it's all about helping as many people as you possibly can, which I think is, you know, we, we have that in common because I know that that's very important to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, yeah, something that I've done my whole life and uh, it, I, I, I'm never very good at saying that. <laughs> You know, so, you know, people, they have their, you know, visions and missions and I'm going to help a million women or whatever they might say or, you know, whatever, a thousand business owners in the next however. I've never said any of that stuff. And yet I can't help but help people all the time and always have been you know I'm one of my strengths is um if you've ever done the strengths finder is input uh which is about collecting stuff and in my case it's information and knowledge so like if you want ask me a question I don't know whatever it might be um I'll then start going oh have you heard about this and this book might be useful to you and oh you should speak to so-and-so and and it's it really helped with my networking over the years because I've always been able to sort of pull from the depths of my <laughs> brain full of useless information something that might in the, that moment be useful um <laughs> But yeah, that, but it is about helping people and, and, you know, always wanting to, you know, help sort out a problem. If people get stuck doing something, you know, I, maybe I can help, but maybe I can't, but I try. <laughs> I, th- I think it's in our DNA. I think that's what coaches and consultants get into this business for us because, mm. you know, I've noticed that most coaches and consultants, they, they, they are incredibly bright people. And I do put you in that category, Joe, as well. I kind of <laughs> loosely include myself in that category, but super bright people. And literally they get amazing results. All they want to do is help other people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we have to own that. Like we have to, we have to appreciate that. And look, you know, when we hold the mirror up, like all any coaches and consultants listening to this right now, you need to look at the, the enormous value which you're adding to the world. Cause I don't think we recognize it in ourselves enough. No. Um, and I think as well, because it's been sort of, you know, we're doing something that didn't really exist a good few years ago and there, there's been some sort of downer stuff on coaching that oh you know one of these new coaches sort of thing and and actually as you say it wouldn't exist if it wasn't of use to people that's how you know industries grow isn't it <laughs> absolutely listen we're, we're coming to uh, towards the end i've got a couple more questions and then we'll, we'll wrap things up but um joe i'm going to take you just on a little trip in the um fearless business um time machine and we're going to rewind the clock 10 years um I, I, I want to um, know, you know, you're, Joe, Joe, you're sat to Joe minus 10 years. What would you, what advice would you give to Joe 10 years ago? Oh, I always hate these questions. <laughs> um, I, so 10 years ago, I'd been in business four years at that stage. So I would say um, uh, there is another way. There is another way to have a successful business and really live more, really get to do the things that you want to do and you will find it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome that's a great piece of advice um fab and then uh how can everybody get hold of you if they want to know a little bit more about what you're getting up to yeah so they can go to my website which is power to live more.com and um i'm imminently launching uh, a new membership site um and there'll be information there um that people can find out more about it it's all about uh, obviously getting to live more and uh, running a successful business for home-based coaches and consultants awesome and then you're all, all over so, social media as well so you're on twitter yeah. joe dodds aren't you yeah. uh, just having a look you're on facebook too so you can jump onto facebook and go to power to live more and linkedin too which is uh, just joe dodds Joe Dodds. yeah there's, there's there's only one other joe dodds i've ever come across and i was traumatized when she was on the front page of google for the search for joe dodds <laughs> uh, well that's 
thank goodness that she's not, you know, a mass murderer or serial killer or anything like that. No, and you've been dropped into the same bracket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Now, I, I've, got a, um, I've got a doppelganger. He's a Kitsap soccer coach over in Canada. So, um, you know, he, he pops up every now and then. I think he connected with me on LinkedIn actually recently, which is quite funny. <laughs> hey, probably something for another day. Anyway, Joe, it has been an absolute pleasure. I think you've um, uh, treated us to and our listeners to enormous value today. So thank you ever so much for coming onto the podcast as a guest. And thank you for inviting me. And I look forward to interviewing you on my podcast soon. <laughs> 